The Senior Bowl announces its coaches, and the roster is almost set. Plus, we talk everything you want to know about the Chicago Bears and where they're, what they're thinking heading into the draft with Brian Perez of Draft Talk. All that and more coming up on the Draft Countdown Podcast. tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosarge. As always, joining me is my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 98 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, and 20 seconds away from the 2023 NFL Draft. And it's a big week for the draft this week. It was the underclassmen deadline to declare on Monday, and we'll get the final list on Friday as they have three days to back out if they haven't signed an agent. So it's uh, it's been wild, you know, waiting for – Guys, declaring honestly, we got most of the players we expected to declare on that last day that we were waiting for. Yeah, not a whole lot of uh, late surprises this week, uh, for sure. And uh, under 100 days to the draft, we're getting we're getting right down to it. Uh, Senior bowls less than two weeks away. I mean, that's hard to believe uh, in, in in that regard. But uh, if you're in the chat right now, if you're watching live, uh, drop us a question we'll, uh, in the chat and we'll answer at the end of the episode or on Twitter at Draft Countdown. Send us a question there. We've already got a couple of them. Uh, I noticed Shane and uh, in our Discord, we'll take questions there as well. And if you're not a member of our Discord, go to DraftCountdown.com, top right corner of the search bar there. There is a link to join our Discord. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it if you did so. But uh, wild card, super wild card weekend, I should say, Shane, uh, in the books. So that means we've set some more draft positions. Uh, Tampa Bay, after their loss on Monday, will be picking 19th. Seattle with their own pick, picking 20th. Uh, The Chargers, after that collapse, wow, that they had Saturday night, uh, they're picking 21st. Baltimore uh, picking 22nd. And Minnesota uh, the number two seed in the NFC falls. They, um, they will, I'm sorry, the number three seed in the NFC falls. They'll be picking 23rd. Yeah, uh, it was, it was a really fun weekend for the most part of wildcard games. So I, I enjoyed it and we'll keep, keep plugging this draft order away. We'll get four more teams next week. <laughs> yep. Four more teams. Hopefully I don't see the Bengals, uh, on that next week as they, uh, say, we'll, we'll see. see the bills, man. It's going to be tough. going to be it's tough every week, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. Uh, Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl announced their coaches. Shrine Bowl announced theirs uh, right around, like, before we went on the air last week. Uh, but we didn't talk about it because of the mock draft. But uh, the Shrine Bowl, they get the full coaching staffs this year. They're going to rotate every year where the other all-star game will get a collection of assistant coaches uh, from around the league to form their staff. Senior Bowl gets that this year. We'll go in that just a second. But the Shrine Bowl gets Atlanta, who's picking, was it ninth or eighth? And New England, which is picking 14th or 15th. So 14th. they got way down the trough with this, Shane. And uh, I had a theory. I think you shared that same theory. And Albert Breer basically tweeted out uh, his thought was that best players are in Mobile. So these full coaching staffs that could have gone. And we'll ask Brian, uh, our guest tonight, Brian Perez, about that because the Bears – Full coaching staff came come back. Full front office come back. They were picking first. They had first shot, and they, I guess, they politely declined. Um, so we'll talk to Brian about that. But is is that the kind of thought you had that basically teams just passed? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that's the case. Like, you know, why why go there, especially when they overlap a little bit in terms of practices? So, you know, you you want to send your coaches, even if they're not coaching in the Senior Bowl, to go and watch an interview and talk to these players. But that, yeah, the the Bears, the the Rams, the Raiders, who are in Vegas, the Saints, the Titans, the Browns, and the Jets all passed. On it now, maybe a team like the Rams was a little bit in flux at the time. You know, the coaching staff if, if McVay was going to come back, so you know, it might be some extenuating circumstances. But that's a lot of teams to pass that brought their coaching staff back and knew they were going to be back. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it bodes well for the NFL kind of pushing the shrine a little bit more and doing this swap. We'll see next year, right? Next year, if we get the top two eligible teams, then something's different. It's to me the most telling was the fact that the Raiders, who are already there, right passed. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's telling that's to me. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, that's wild. The Senior Bowl uh, announced their coaches today. Uh, the American team will be headed up by uh, Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze. We're going to talk to Brian about that a little bit and a little bit. And the Raiders defense coordinator Patrick Graham is going to hand up the national team. Uh, Falcons uh, quarterback coach Charles London and Patriots defensive line coach Demarcus Covington will be the offensive and defense coordinators, respectively. And for the national team, uh, New Orleans Saints uh, QB coach Ronald Curry and Steelers QB coach Grady Brown uh, will be the offensive and defense coordinator, respectively. Ronald Curry, that's a name that that's a that takes yeah. takes me back. Uh, said. Uh, at least one coach from all 16 teams that submitted nominations were chosen, and six clubs had multiple coaches appointed to this year's uh, American and national rosters. That includes the Saints, Commanders, and Bears with four each, Raiders uh, with three, and Browns and Steelers have two coaches apiece. Shane, uh, your thoughts on the Senior Bowl coaching staffs? No, I, I think it's good. I think it's interesting. Once again, we talk Bears, and we're talking Bears later in the show, but they have four coaches there, including you know Getze being the head coach. Um, I, th- I think is is huge for them to have Luke Getze down there, especially when they're probably going to address the offense in the draft. Um, yeah, I, I think it's some good, you know, some good um, coaches. Uh, you know, Charles London, uh, the quarterbacks coach for the Falcons, is getting OC interviews right now. So, uh, you know, I think they're picking guys that are going to eventually ascend to those positions, which is also interesting. And Steelers DB coach uh, Grady Brown getting to be the DC for the uh, for the national team there can't hurt, right? No, look, I'll I'll, I'll take it. Uh, get get up close and personal. Some of those corners, but, uh, please. Uh, we need we need a two or three on the Steelers. <laughs> uh, one of the All Star games took place this past weekend. Shane, uh, I wrote a roster preview for it uh, last week, but the Hula Bowl. Uh, took place on Saturday in Orlando. Uh, did you get a chance to check it out, Shane? I did. I watched it. I was. I actually enjoyed it a lot. I, I thought that the roster was more talented than I expected going in, so it was exciting. Yeah, I thought the best player that I saw uh, in the game was, and to be honest, was probably my highest-rated player on either roster coming in, so it was a bit expected, was BYU uh, running back Christopher Brooks. Had 107 yards of total offense. He was the uh, – off- uh, offensive player of the game, uh, not the overall game MVP, but uh, the offensive player of the game. So I thought he uh, – any, anybody else stand out to you? Yeah, I, I mean, not to just pound on the running backs, but I thought Toa Tua, the running back from Nevada, who I, I know you've been high on in the past, um, I thought he looked good as well. Uh, I thought he – you know, his, his, his footwork was good. Um, he ran through the line, so I thought he was good. And then um, – let me see. Uh, Elijah Cooks, the wide receiver out of San Jose State as well, was impressive to me, someone we've talked about on the show before. Yeah, I, uh, in the first half, I thought uh, Montana corner Justin Ford uh, really stood out, had three uh, pass breakups in the first half. Second half, he uh, one play he got kind of beat pretty bad. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what the coverage was and if he was expecting help or whatever. You don't know in these things, especially when it's just the TV copy. But uh, he got beat on a play in the second half. But he was looked great in the first half, uh, definitely. Um, I thought he was – I'm not going to say better than that All-Star game. I thought he could have been in a, 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 one of the bigger venues. But he definitely uh, was one of the more talented players there. Yeah, I, I absolutely. And Ford was impressive this season. I think a small school players in general and looking at the All-Star games is a little bit – 
mixed up from what I would have expected. So that's going to be interesting to track and see if a guy like Justin Ford from the Hula Bowl gets drafted ahead of some guys from maybe even the Shrine and the NFLPA game. Right. Uh, five more players added to the Senior Bowl this week. We'll go through them quickly. Uh, cornerback Makai Black. And, and when I say quickly, I mean, I feel like these are injury replacement players at this point. I yeah. think we're there on that. Uh, Makai Blackman, the corner from Southern Cal. Uh, in there, uh, defensive lineman from Arizona State transferred from Miami. Nesta Jade Silvera uh, comes in. Uh, Lonnie Phelps, edge rusher, uh, based on video that uh, Lance Zerline was tweeting out, special teams special demon teams, yeah. <laughs> uh, from Kansas uh, coming in. Uh, D. Winters, who was outstanding in the uh, semifinal playoff game, the linebacker from TCU comes in. And s- safety from your Buckeyes, uh, Ronnie Hickman getting the call, Shane. I'm excited for, for those last two. I think that uh, D. Winters is deserving, even if he is as an injury replacement. I think he played well this year. He's just not the most physically talented guy. And Ronnie Hickman, kind of a rotational safety that has a lot of physical talent but never quite put it together. Uh, a senior book could be a good opportunity for some of those players that that are, are physically gifted but never really got to, to shine to go and show that they're progressing. There you go. So that's the next wave of Senior Bowl invites. Like I said earlier, they are uh, breaking out their position-by-position position roster groups tonight. We'll get a chance to see uh, maybe who uh, is injured and not going to be there when we start seeing those uh, filter out a little bit. But let's not keep him waiting anymore. And let's bring on our guest tonight, Shane. He is the managing editor of Bears Talk and the host of the Bears Talk podcast. He is Brian Perez. Brian, man, thanks for coming on with us tonight. What's going on, fellas? It's my pleasure. All right. So, what are the Bears going to do with the first pick? Let's get this over with. I think the safe bet, if you're a betting man, you wager a lot of money on the fact that the Bears won't have the first pick come uh, April. I think they're going to trade out. I think they're going to do what most Bears fans are hoping they do, at least hoping that Ryan Poles does, and just leverage that pick, take full advantage of them basically backing into it unexpectedly. You know, no, no one thought they were going to be great this year, but I don't think anyone thought they would be the first overall pick. And up until those final minutes of the Texans game, they weren't. So the fact that they got that pick, it's it's kind of like uh, just the dream come true. It's the closest thing the Bears fans have had to winning the Super Bowl. It's just the polar opposite, but it's still it's a great feeling to have that pick, to have that leverage. And I think Ryan Poles is going to end up trading out. So, look, I think I think that's the dream, right? You get a big package, you get someone to move up. Do you have any concerns, I guess, with how far the Bears are willing to move down, or what is there kind of a floor here? You know, because yeah, the Bears don't need a quarterback. You have Justin Fields. We'll talk about that later. Um, but you do have some elite defensive prospects in this draft, like Will Anderson from Alabama, Jalen Carter from Georgia. You know, is is there a point where they say, hey, we're not going to move down below this pick? You think? Yeah, I think the floor is number four right now uh, with the Colts. I think if you're trying to play the draft board game, the chess that that kind of goes behind the first round, the mock drafts, what they're probably doing inside Hallis Hall right now, or will do once free agency kind of uh, comes to an end, the number four pick feels like the floor because if quarterbacks go one, two, then you're guaranteed either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson Jr. at number four. But the Texans, to me, still feel like a little bit of a wild card. I know a lot of people are assuming that whoever trades into number one is going to take Bryce Young. But if it's not the Texans, will they take the next quarterback at two or are they going to take best player available, which to me would probably be Will Anderson at that point. And they still have a pick later in the first round. One of these quarterbacks, you guys know as well as anybody, a lot of hype around the quarterback class in December, January, and February tends to die off as we get closer to March and ultimately April. So a lot of guys that draft analysts and fans are projecting as being a top five quarterback right now, you know, back in the day, we saw Geno Smith this year have a a resurrection to his career, but it wasn't too long ago when he was coming out of West Virginia that he was during the season supposed to be the first overall pick. And he ends up being a second rounder. And you see that year after year with some of these quarterbacks who everybody says, Oh, it's a first round lock. Malik Willis is the perfect example last year, this time, a lot of mock drafts had him as a top 10 pick after the senior bowl, and he ended up being, what, a third rounder? So I think we have to be careful. Bears, The Bears have to be careful not to trade down too far. The perfect scenario is if the Texans want to move up one spot, 
take Bryce Young. The Bears are at two because at that point, if the Colts want to trade up to two, they're not trading up for the defensive player. You know they're going to take the quarterback. Uh, otherwise, they would just stay at four and take whatever defensive player falls to them. So I, I think there is still some risk going anywhere outside of number one at this point because uh, you might not have that run on quarterbacks like a lot of people are projecting right now. But if we're going to just say, look, we'll play the quarterback game right now and assume the top two picks are going to be passers, number four feels like the floor. But again, they could they could trade down twice and still end up with Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, depending on how desperate these quarterback needy teams become in that top 10 range. The old double dip. You'd love to see it if you're a Bears fan. That's the dream dream scenario for the (laughs) Bears. Uh, Just got to see how this shakes out. I mean, like I said, the quarterback market is always a volatile one. And right now, sure, you know, everybody's hyping up Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and Will Levis. We got to see. There's a lot of time left in draft season before we could say confidently, that more than one of them will be top five picks. So let's hypothetically say that they don't get the haul they want. Like they're not, nobody's calling. The phone is dead. Who are we taking at one? What, what player, what defensive player do you think is a bigger impact fits better for the bears next year, Anderson or Carter? Well, I mean, the fit is probably Jalen Carter. Uh, but I think the long-term impact would be Will Anderson. And, and my personal philosophy around the number one pick has, has really never changed. It's always been about the quarterback. If you don't have one, you draft one. If you have one, you try to either protect him or on defense, you get the guy that could sack the opponent's quarterback. It's always got to be about the quarterback. And right now in this year's draft, there's no offensive tackle that's really worthy of the number, of the number one pick. And Will Anderson's probably the best player pound for pound in the class, more so in my opinion than even Jalen Carter. So I wouldn't even hesitate. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. Will Anderson is the number one pick. But the Bears and the defensive system that Matt Eberflus runs, it's so dependent on that three technique. And if you have a guy like Jalen Carter, it's like perfect value meeting absolute need at the number one pick. So Ryan Poles is in a great spot this year. He literally can't mess it up. The only way he screws up is if he doesn't get a bounty of picks for that number one. If he doesn't, if he's not able to trade down, I think Bears fans and analysts and writers will have some ammunition to criticize him. But if he if he does trade down and takes either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, it's going to be an A plus. I mean, there's going to be no way to give him a grade lower than that unless you're just applying personal bias and personal preference. Both players are ideal for what they need in 2023 and beyond. He can't mess it up. If I was making the pick, it would be Will Anderson. Last week on the show, we did a one-round mock draft. I picked for the Bears. I picked Will Anderson at one. Um, We we had some conversation, and Brian and I I both think this is absurd. I think most people do, but I have to ask the question, is there any chance, any small percentage of chance, that the Bears consider a quarterback at one in either – Keep both or trade Justin Fields. I mean, if Ryan Poles did that, in my opinion, it would be a fireable offense. I think that would be football malpractice. It would be overthinking the process. You know, we saw Justin Fields in 2022 do things that literally no quarterback has ever done. Granted, he did it with his legs, uh, but he showed enough, in my opinion, enough flashes as a passer. I mean, he threw some ridiculous passes in the 2022 season. He just didn't do it consistently and he didn't have an alpha wide receiver to make his throws easier. And his offensive line didn't do him any favors. I mean, he was literally playing with one arm tied behind his back at some points, both arms tied behind his back. So he had to rely on his legs. And what he proved in 2022 is that there are very few people walking on planet earth who can do what he does on a football field. You don't trade a guy like that. If you're an NFL coaching staff, if you're an NFL front office, the number one goal is to coach him up if there are some issues that need to be cleaned up with him as a passer and give him a supporting cast. The priority should be should never be get rid of a guy like that. The priority should be what can we do to help him? He is a quarterback that could take the Chicago Bears to a Super Bowl. He literally is a quarterback who by himself, by himself, kept this team in games against the Eagles and other competitive one-score games. The Bears rarely, I mean, at some some games they did get blown out, but rarely was it a complete, utter disaster for four quarters. And it was usually because Justin Fields kept them in games. It's To me, it's mind-numbing that there are some analysts who suggest that Bryce Young 
trading out and picking Bryce or trading fields and picking Bryce Young would somehow be the better option for the Chicago Bears. Bryce Young would get killed behind the Chicago Bears offensive line. Justin Fields is 6'3", almost 230 pounds, runs in the 4'4". He's got the body armor that's needed to be able to withstand the growing pains of the Chicago Bears offensive line. Bryce Young would break in half in his first season behind the Bears offensive line. Justin Fields was running on fumes by the end of the year. Shoulder injury, hip injury. He got beat up, but that guy always got up. And the difference between that and Bryce Young, his fit. Look, Bryce Young is a great quarterback prospect, and there's no doubt. But I'm old school. I'm old school when I say 5'11, 5'10 and a half, 190. It, there are reasons why we have never really seen guys like that be elite for over long periods of time in the league. Justin Fields is the perfect combination of old school, prototypical physical build and new school, rare athleticism. If the Bears can't make it work with him, everybody in the building should be fired. Everybody. And if they even consider trading him, everybody in the building should be fired. He is that special of a player. And as a Bears fan who has gone through decades of quarterback hell, the, 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 it's just so offensive. It should be so offensive to the most diehard of Bears fans when they see guys like Mike Tannenbaum and some of these other analysts suggest that Chicago should trade Justin Fields. It's just, like I said before, it's mind-numbing. I, I don't think you're going to get any disagreement from us. No. <laughs> <laughs> None at all. Um, you mentioned supporting cast, and so I have to bring up the fact that now the Bears have essentially traded a first-round pick for Chase Claypool. Uh, I know Shane and Steeler fans are very happy about this. Uh, are Bears fans happy about this, and are they going to recoup this value, uh, or is it is it recoupable? So here's the thing. I mean, I get the concern with, in hindsight, what the Bears gave up for Chase Claypool. At the time that they traded for Chase Claypool, there was this, it's kind of like a fork in the road moment in the Bears season where Justin Fields was starting to blossom. And it looked like the Bears, you know, they were playing tough. One score games, they had a chance to possibly win some of these games if they had the alpha playmaker on the outside. So the, the theory behind, the logic behind trading the second round pick for Claypool at the time made sense. And you would find, it would be very difficult to find a Bears fan at that time who didn't like the trade. Maybe they weren't thrilled with it, but it was an understandable, logical decision. Obviously, it didn't go as planned. You know, Chase Claypool was not able to assimilate to the offense in the matter of weeks. Ryan Pohl said at his end of year press conference, and he made a great point, like football trades midseason are not like basketball or baseball or some of these other sports where it's a very, those sports can almost, your individual talent can overcome system changes. In football, you really have to like, mesh with the quarterback, you need to know the playbook, you need to know the system. And that's a, that's a challenge, especially for a wide receiver coming in midseason. He had a knee injury after that, missed a couple of games with a knee injury. The way I look at the Chase Claypool trade is if the Chicago Bears at pick number 32, we're going to draft a wide receiver in the 2023 NFL draft. And there was a six foot four, 230 pound guy who runs in the four fours on the board. And we already kind of know what Chase Claypool can do when everything's going right. He would be the pick. I mean, the Bears would pick a guy like Chase Claypool at the 32nd pick. So Bears fans have to kind of erase from their memory the Chase Claypool they saw for seven, eight games, whatever it was. You just got to erase it from your memory. It's now, Chase Claypool is now a Bear. He's got a full offseason, a full training camp. Justin Fields has already said he's going to be working with him. So I think the best is yet to come from Chase Claypool. He's not even in his prime yet. And he offers the kind of physical traits that the Bears don't have in their passing game. So I'm looking at Claypool like at pick number 32. He's still younger than Velas Jones when they drafted him in the third round last year, right? So at pick number 32, they just drafted Chase Claypool. He has the benefit of a head start over the rookie that they might have drafted at 32. Does that mean the pick, the trade's going to end up working out? You know, Chase Claypool's due for a big contract after next season. There, are, If he doesn't play up to expectations... It won't be the first time the Bears drafted a wide receiver in the second round who didn't work out. Anthony Miller just a couple years ago 
he washed out of the league. I think maybe he actually signed with the Steelers. I don't even know. I think something like ha- happened today. But it wouldn't be the first time a second rounder doesn't work out. And if I'm going to roll the dice on a player, give me the traits, give me some established NFL production, Claypool's not a bad roll of the dice. It's To me, it could be a win-win for both teams. The Steelers are going to get essentially a first-round value for a guy they probably weren't going to keep long-term. The Bears get a receiver who, if he was in free agency this year, an underwhelming free agent core, a group of wide receivers in 2023, he might be the most sought-after free agent wide receiver if he was in the class. So we have to kind of forget the recency issues that we saw with Claypool on the, on the field. And just, it's like what you guys do, what I've done, NFL draft work. A lot of this is kind of projecting forward. What will he be able to do for the Chicago Bears after being with them for a full, full offseason? If we're sitting here next at the end of next September, and Claypool has nine catches for 97 yards, he's turning into like a Kenny Galladay for the Bears, then obviously huge, huge miss. Huge swing and miss. But at the end of the day, you got to take the swing to hit a home run. And Claypool is the is the classic boomer bust. He's either going to be a huge hit for the Bears or he won't be on the team in 2024. I'd roll the dice with a second-round pick on that. That's logical to me. I, I, I'm not going to fight you on that. Makes sense. I think it's a fair argument. You mentioned free agency, and I kind of want to talk about the offseason as a whole because the Bears are projected to have maybe the most cap room to be able to spend. You have a projected nine draft picks, maybe get more, that haul for the number one overall pick. What – and you mentioned some already, but what are some what are positions you think they'll address in the offseason in general? And are there any that you're like, hey, this is going to be a free agent position and this is going to be a draft position? Um, what are your kind of thoughts on that, Brian? Yeah, I think in, in many ways we could see free agency clear up, whether it's Jalen Carter or Will Anderson in, in the first round. You know, I, I don't like that being a team's approach, but if the Bears sign a guy like Deron Payne in free agency, I mean, what do you do with Jalen Carter? I, yeah, yeah, of course, you can make a strength, a super strength, and just load up the defensive line. But if you sign Payne, who's what, 26 years old, to, if you sign him to a massive contract, well, Anderson's obviously the guy, I would think, right? So I, Brian Pohl said at the end of the year, and it's a key statement that he made, which is going to make it really hard to cover the Bears and make some predictions like, like you're talking about. He said the Bears have flexibility. And that's such a powerful thing to go into an offseason with is flexibility. Essentially, he said, without saying it, we could literally do whatever we want. We could spend any amount of money we want, it, like they have twice as much money essentially than the next team in free agency. If they can ass- top three guys on their free agent board, unless they drop the ball in recruiting, or players are chasing more of the ring than the dollars. Their top two or three free agents on their wish list, as long as they're not franchised, they'll be Chicago Bears. It's almost like you could put it in pen because there's going to be no competition from a dollars and cents standpoint if that's the player's number one priority. So that flexibility allows Ryan Poles to essentially pivot. Like what happened in free agency could dictate what they do in the first round. And it could even make them trade back multiple times if they land a couple of pass rushers, a strong two or three defensive linemen. Maybe they sign the top offensive tackle in free agency. Now suddenly your draft needs are much lower. And if you want to just essentially build a contender Ryan Poles always talks about a team that can sustain success. How do you sustain success in the NFL? You hit on as many draft picks as possible. And the odds of hitting on draft picks go way up if you have a lot of them, right? So I could see him saying, look, we signed five premier free agents, five, maybe three on defense, two on offense. Now it's about let's get as many rookies, top two to three round rookies in the building as possible. Let the cream rise to the top and they could trade back even out of the top 10, potentially, if they really hit in free agency. So it's a tough question to answer, Shane. I think if the Bears are based on team needs right now, I think you're going to see defensive line and offensive line be where he wants to strike in free agency. Because when you're drafting a rookie at those positions, it's tough to project what the 21-year-old, 22-year-old offensive tackle who won against maybe 50% of the time or less playing against NFL competition. The often dominant offensive line prospects, they don't always hit. 
Why? Because most of the players they're going against in the four years in college are not going to be top-level NFL defensive linemen. But if you can sign a, a player entering year five, unrestricted free agent, and you have three years of really good NFL tape, you're going to prioritize that guy, in my opinion, if you have the money to spend. He's proven it, and he's still young. So the offensive and defensive linemen who are proven quality starters, I think would be where he targets his free agent money. And then you hit the skill positions. You, sur you surround Justin Fields with as many weapons as possible in the draft. Wide receiver is like the new quarterback. You want to get the wide receiver on the rookie contract. So if you can get the first round wide receiver or a second round wide receiver and avoid having to pay the DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel contract and free agency, that's the new, they're going to be recycling these guys as often as possible. So you can see wide receiver become an underrated first round target. Not a lot of people are talking about that with the bears right now because of where they pick. There's no wide receiver going number one, but if they slide down to 12, 13, 14, I mean, that could end up being the, the priority. So Shane, that's a, a very, that's a, that's a word salad to say basically nothing. I have no idea where they're going to go. I mean, this is the ultimate unpredictable offseason, which makes it incredibly fun for bears fans. Yeah, absolutely. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes this whole process that we do fun is we can talk. We'll, we we come up here and talk an hour every week. We have no idea what's going to happen April exactly. 27th. None. And that's what makes it fun. Um, Senior Bowl announced their coaching staffs today and Bears uh, offensive coordinator Luke Getzey going to be the head coach of uh, the American uh, team, which is – Correct me if I'm wrong, Shane. Is that generally the SEC squad or is that the other? I can't remember. I think it's generally the SEC squad. Yeah. But so, so you're going to get the SEC squad down here uh, with your coach. How beneficial uh, do you think that's going to be? I think it's huge. I know there were some tweets going around today showing the past Senior Bowl coaching staffs and the players that they ended up drafting from the Senior Bowl and it was a relatively unimpressive list. For example, the Bears in 2017, I believe uh, one of the Bears beat writers shared this on Twitter. The Bears in 2017, when they coached the Senior Bowl, coached guys like Cooper Cup, didn't draft him, uh, right? I mean, so like, I, I don't buy that. You know, the, the draft, as you guys know, it's a product of like, yeah, they might have had Cooper Cup graded really high. It's just, that, you know, where their pick was, they couldn't get him. So, I mean, I, I don't – the revisionist history, it's very easy to shape draft results to fit a narrative that you want to push. But as you talked about, Brian, the draft is a completely unpredictable process. Even for the most well-prepared war rooms, you could have Cooper Cup graded very high, but you might have some other player graded slightly higher. You roll the dice that Cooper Cup might slide to the next round, and then the Rams, move, the, the Rams draft him. Like, you don't know how it's going to shake out. So just because the Bears didn't draft Cooper Cup and they coached him at the Senior Bowl doesn't mean they didn't like him and gain really valuable information during the Senior Bowl. It's just the way the draft fell. Personally, I think coaching the Senior Bowl is a huge advantage because you get to learn the things that don't show up in a scouting report. You get to learn the things that don't show up at a pro day or at the NFL Combine. You get to see what the players' practice habits are like. You get to see what their personality is like when they interact with a coach who's trying to coach them up. You see what they're like in meetings, in, in prep. I mean, there is a game, right? It's we Everybody, all the draft analysts, like the three of us, focus on the practices, and we kind of ignore the game. I'm going to the Senior Bowl. I'm flying out even before the last practice on Thursday afternoon. I'm not sticking around for the game. The game seems like it's an afterthought. But for the coaches preparing these players for game prep and seeing how they prepare, they will have detailed notes about the level of attention and preparation and, and attention to detail that these players put into their craft. And listen, if, if you're a player at the Senior Bowl and you don't impress the coach, that's like failing the ultimate job interview. And Luke Getze will get all of that information He'll be able to bring it back to Ryan Poles in the front office. You know, Eberflus will be basically right there. Ryan Poles is going to, I'm assuming he'll be in Mobile. and He'll be on the phone with Luke Getzey every single night. They're going to have a, a significant advantage over the teams that don't have coaches there. I know this year is the first year the Senior Bowl isn't having full coaching staffs. So maybe the advantage is a little bit less because you do have coaches from other teams also gathering that intel. But it's, it's a great advantage, especially because 
the Bears need to level up their offense in the draft. They need to add the skilled players, the offensive linemen. They need to, to improve around Justin Fields. Luke Getze is the offensive coordinator. If Luke Getze falls in love with a receiver or an offensive lineman or one of these skill guys that he's coaching up in Mobile, that opinion is going to carry a lot of weight on draft day. So I think it's, uh, it's great news for the Bears, and it's great for a guy like me who's going to Mobile, and that was a little bit of a Bears flavor to it, so it's awesome. Well, not only that, but they also have three other coaches uh, on these staffs as well. Uh, it was that four total coaches from the Bears there. And, hey, I mean, the Bengals were coaching down here a few years ago. Now look at them where they're at. Detroit coached last year, almost, you know, could have made the playoffs this year, but vastly improved. It's a big deal. Uh, follow up, quick follow up, and I'll let Shane get the final question to you. Um, the Shrine Bowl this year did get full coaching staffs, but they got all the way down to the eighth, and I believe we said 15th draft selection. The Bears, full staff, full front office, number one pick. Obviously, they passed. Why do you think that is? I think the senior bowl and their press release shared some really valuable information about the level of player that comes out of the senior bowl. The shrine game has been, has, has done great work and the level of prospect that's come out of the shrine game has improved over the last few years with draftable guys, but the senior bowl sent out, you know, numbers, 106 players in each of the last two drafts have been drafted from the senior bowl, 80, something like 80%, percent of the drafted senior bowl players over since 2019 made a 53 man roster. You're getting an up close look at NFL players at the senior bowl, NFL prospects. And that's not to say the shrine game you're not, but the volume of players who will eventually be draft picks and be on a 53 man roster is simply higher at the senior bowl. You're getting a upper, a better, more up close look at, Again, I don't want to be negative or talk down about players at one game or the other, but there's better players. And I think if the Bears have an opportunity to pick one game or the other, you're going to want to choose the game, especially in a draft class where you have very high-value picks. You're going to want to be at the game where you can look at the players who profile or project as better pros right now. All right, last question, Brian. You can call me crazy if you want to. I, I think the Bears can be contenders for the playoffs next year myself. I, I think Justin Fields might be the best quarterback in that division. What do you, what do you, uh, do you think? Am I nuts? Well, look, I bleed blue and orange, so I'm never going to say that's nuts. And I do think with Justin Fields, anything is possible. You know, I, I said this before that he is the first quarterback in my lifetime that, that, you know, he's a lot of gray hairs here, so that's a while. He's the first quarterback, Bears quarterback in my lifetime that has made me tune in to a, a game on Sunday and feel like the Bears have a chance to win. And that is literally only because of him. So when you have an offseason as exciting and um, limitless as this one is for the Bears, if they, if, you know, it's going to test Ryan Poles. If Ryan Poles cannot build a contender with the assets he now has at his disposal, you have to question whether the right general manager is in place and whether that will be as soon as 2023. I don't know. The Bears have to try to strike quickly because, you know, look, Justin Fields already is in year three next year, right? He's what a season and a half away, two seasons at most away from the, the whispers of the next contract coming up. They do have the fifth-year option, and they do have control, and obviously that talk will. It's not like the other skill positions, like wide receivers or running backs who try to get that new contract before year four or in year four. He might, might be a full five years. But the window on the rookie contract at quarterback that like we all talk about, it is not closed, but it's halfway closed, right? He's, he's done with year two. So there should be some urgency with the Bears to – improve the roster enough around him this offseason to do exactly what you're saying, Shane. I would be shocked, shocked, if the Bears are not competing for an NFC North title next December. There will be no Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, I don't think. Uh, the Vikings, you know, look, they won, what, 11 games by one score. They could very easily be below 500 next year if those games flip. The Lions are the biggest threat. And who would have thought, right? Who would have thought? 
that at the end of the 2022 season, as we profile toward 2023, the hierarchy in the NFC North is shifting so dramatically to where next summer, there's going to be a lot of people predicting the Lions to win the division. There's going to be a lot of people predicting the Bears to possibly be a wild card team or even a division winner. So it's it's a it's it's refreshing to see the changing in the guard. And Shane, I don't think you're crazy. I think Justin Fields um, proved this year that at times, with a very undermanned offense around him, he was literally a man amongst boys. It's scary to think of what he can do if the Bears do right by him. And this will be the offseason that proves whether or not the team is capable of doing that. It's good stuff. Awesome. Brian, uh, man, thanks for coming on tonight and, and 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 informing us all about what we need to know about the Bears coming up. Tell everybody where they can find everything that you do. All my work is at bearstalk.com. So I, I launched the website last April, right before the 2022 draft. It's been fantastic. I can't uh, express my appreciation to Bears fans enough. The site has just enjoyed some incredible success over the last nine months or so. So head over to bearstalk.com. The Twitter account is at the Bears Talk or at Brian Perez NFL. We have a YouTube channel as well, uh, Bear, the Bears Talk and the Bears Talk podcast. So everything Bears Talk. If you want to talk about the Bears, very easy to remember. Bears Talk, you'll find me and all of our work somewhere. That's awesome, man. Hey, and I'll see you. Uh, see you in a couple weeks in Mobile, man. Got it. I can't wait. Looking forward to that trip. All right, Brian. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for coming so on, much, buddy. Brian. Awesome. You got stuff. it, guys. Take care. There we go, Shane. Awesome. Brian Perez, Bears Talk. That was good, good stuff uh, there. Uh, it, did it, did he enlighten you, Shane? Did he change your mind on some things? Uh, look, look, I I still – maybe Brian's getting me to to consider that trade now to four, but I I, I, I still I still have that fear. I don't want to miss out on Will Anderson, so I still, I, I like, still have that fear. I like what he said about, you know – if they go out and spend the big money in free agency, you know, like he said, maybe sign a Jerron Payne, maybe sign whoever the top edge rusher is in this class. I, I'm not sure. I haven't really looked at the 2023 free agent class yet, but I mean, if they go sign those guys, maybe they can trade down, let's say nine with Carolina. And maybe, you know, you go down a little further, get a lot more picks. And then, you know, you can really start filling out the holes on this roster and filling out this depth. And like you said, if you go down a little further, then you bring wide receiver into the into play. You bring offensive tackle like a Skaronsky or, you know, Paris Johnson or one of those guys into play at nine or so. And, you know, you've got these extra picks. You can just start throwing darts at that point and, uh, and making it happen. Yeah, I, something I don't think we talk about enough on here just for the nature of what we do, but free agency is going to impact – Right. I mean, what teams are looking at and who they take and the moves they make so much. And especially this year where a lot of teams at the top have a lot of money to spend. You know, like Brian mentioned, the Bears have a lot more than everyone else. So um, I do think it's going to make a big impact, you know, and maybe you spend so much that you feel like you're you, you are a contender. You are a pass rusher away and, and you want to make sure you get Will Anderson, maybe only move down to two or whatever. So um, I think it's going to be interesting to follow for sure. Yeah, I mean, as always, we're uh, we're gonna look forward to that. Uh, I think we're gonna have Miranda on the site. She's gonna kind of keep up with that for us and, and talk a little free agency because that's gonna impact our mock drafts. Oh yeah, and, and everything as we go forward. All right, Shane, that's uh, that's doing. I, I did want to come back to the Hula Bowl for just a second. I uh, I wrote this note down and I wanted to mention it because I thought it was pretty damn cool. They had an all female referee crew for this game. And I don't think I've ever seen that at the collegiate or obviously the NFL level. I thought that was pretty awesome, Shane. I, I felt like I needed to talk about that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot more women doing great uh, referee work in the NFL and college football. And once again, yeah, once again, why not give the opportunity? Uh, I, I think it's awesome. I didn't even notice that. That's great. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, it was brought to my attention before the game. And then I, they mentioned it on the broadcast. I, I just thought that was pretty cool. And I, I meant to talk about it earlier, and I got sidetracked, as I generally do on these things. <laughs> as, stru as structured as I make my whole little layout sheet you here, run I, down I, I, get, I get off on a tangent, and I can't help myself. <laughs> All right. Let's answer some questions, Shane. Uh, I don't believe we had any, uh, any in the comments. I think they were more in reference to – what we were talking about with Brian, uh, none in the discord, but we did have a few on Twitter 
and our good buddy here at Lord Luckin asked, he's struggling to rank the center class, uh, Shane. He's, he's pretty sure that uh, John Michael Schmitz of Minnesota is going to end up as the number one for him, but it's close. Uh, who do we have as the top center? I think it's tough, especially because you have a lot of centers that could play guard and did play guard this past year, right? Guys like Jared Patterson from Notre Dame, Steve Avila from TCU played guard this past season. So I think teams, some teams are going to have him. Hey, then go back to center. Some teams are going to have him as guard. Even John Michael Schmitz, I think, can definitely play guard. So that's why I think it's always like we're ranking centers. But, I mean, interior offensive line oftentimes is such an open door. We're still waiting to hear if, if Cedric Von Prahn, the center from Georgia, is, is going to declare for the draft. Um, he's, he's my top guy if he does. But I think Schmitz is probably the best bet. Um, I like Jared Patterson from Notre Dame as well. And then Luke Whipler from Ohio State is a name worth mentioning. If he has really good workouts, had a good season, played really well against Jalen Carter. Uh, so he's an interesting name too. I've always been a big fan of Alex Forsyth from Oregon. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl, so want to see him there. And uh, another name, you know, maybe a little further down the the list there, uh, Jake Andrews from Troy. We're both big fans of him as well. And Olu uh, Oluwatimi from Michigan, another one that uh, – yeah. I mean, we're probably going to have seven to eight uh, centers drafted maybe. I mean, I could see it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think eight's – yeah, I th- I'll go eight to nine. Yeah, I mean, because I think uh, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas, who's at the Shrine, I think he's a draftable player. Uh, you mentioned Avila, um, maybe even a guy like Juice Scruggs yeah, from Penn I like State. Juice Scruggs, I think could seven uh, rounds take him. Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, could it could get his name called? So, uh, thanks for that question. There, good good stuff. Uh, one other one here from at Flows Four Twenty. Brian Zukowski asks. Uh, Looking at New England here, Shane, wanting to know who's some possible second-round corners or offensive tackle or wide receivers that New England could be looking at in round two. Yeah, I think corner, I, I really like someone like uh, Clark Phillips the third, the corner from Utah, maybe to play that slot role that they're kind of lacking. They have some of the outside guys. Um, if they do want to go a little bit bigger, you know, I like my man Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, the big playmaker. Uh, so, you know, I think that's a, a possibility. Offensive tackle – um, this is a Cody mock from North Dakota state kind of feel like a new England Patriots, uh, offensive lineman, right? Just like, you know, no teeth tough. They're gonna, I think they could like someone like, they him like Michigan. They like the Michigan guys as well. So maybe Ryan Hayes, that's a good somebody one. Somebody like that, you know, so, and wide receiver. I mean, it could be anybody, Zay flowers, Boston college, uh, someone like Josh downs could fall down there. If they want the smaller type guy, uh, I mean, Rasheed Rice. I mean, we, we, we've mm-hmm. seen him in the first rounds, but I mean, some of these guys are going to fall down. I mean, and and Rasheed Rice might be a guy that uh, is available in that uh, mid-second round area when New England comes back around. Yeah, uh, I would say Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. I think that seems like a Patriots pick. <laughs> ah, the old Patriots pick. <laughs> I was looking. I was looking for these uh, sneaky. Any of these sneaky athletic guys uh, here? Jake Bobo, uh, UCLA. There you go. There you go. Uh, Jake Bobo. There we go. Uh, so that's <laughs> that's all the questions we have tonight. Uh, Dwayne checking in on us tonight. Great show. We appreciate that. Uh, appreciate you watching tonight, Dwayne, and uh, anybody else. Everybody else that's watching, man. Uh, we appreciate it. But uh, that's going to do it, man. Final thoughts tonight, Shane, as we uh, we wrap up tonight's podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm grinding out uh, my rankings and kind of redoing the whole thing. So Saturday I'll have uh, my rankings out and positional big board. Everything will be updated. Seven-round mock coming on Monday with all the underclassmen and kind of close to a finalized list. Um, so it, it's going to be a busy weekend for me, but it's a lot of good content coming. Yeah, and uh, next week um, we're going to have uh, the NFLPA preview for me. You're going to have the Shrine Bowl preview coming up. And then after that, Shane, uh, starting next week, the weekend after, we're going – it's Senior Bowl all day, every day for Draft <laughs> Countdown, the Draft Countdown podcast. That's why I said if you're not – if you're uh, 
if you haven't subscribed to us yet on YouTube, go ahead and do that and hit that notification bell because we're going to be going live a lot. See, I got us down for for five podcasts during Senior Bowl week. There, Shane. Yeah, there you go. We're so, we're gonna be we're gonna be busy. I, I I may pass out asleep on some of them, but it'll be okay. <laughs> Just we'll get you an air horn or something. We'll be fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wake up. Be there good. you go. Uh, Miranda's going to check in this weekend. She's going to preview the uh, divisional playoff games for us. And, uh, yeah, and I had a nice fun article uh, today uh, about the Senior Bowl and which prospects uh, have the most to gain uh, this week. Spoiler alert, uh, if you haven't read it, uh, every quarterback that is announced to come to Mobile uh, <laughs> has a lot to gain this week. So Somebody's going to get that Senior Bowl bump, Shane, right? I mean, oh, it's yeah. going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a good article. You definitely had some good names in there. And, you know, I think you're referencing back to some of the guys that have gotten the bump. I think you start to realize how important it can be. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Kellen Mond was a good thing to get the bump, but it happened. But it happened. So, you know, that's uh, that's it. All right, that's that's going to do it for tonight's podcast. Again, if, uh, if you follow us on YouTube, hit the like button on the video, subscribe to the channel. Uh, share out everything. We love it. If you listen to the audio version of the podcast, uh, give us a nice five-star rating on that audio platform that you listen on and share it out as well. We, we're trying to grow the brand here, and and it, it is growing. By all, all of our podcasts have gone up exponentially the last few weeks. A lot more people listening, Shane. Page views at the site through the roof the last few weeks, and we, we got to thank everybody for that as well. Follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. And go to draftcountdown.com for all of your NFL draft needs. For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody. 